Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 32494, the earliest show in the archive, 32494. My interview with Donald Trump from 110-2011. 110-2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash savagepremium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Hello, and welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. Today we go off the beaten path. There's so much terrible news out there. And I could talk about Title 42, I could talk about immigration, I could do all of it. But I want to do something different for you today to get your mind off it. I want to take you to another world, and it may not be a pretty world, it'll be a dark world. It's a future world, an anti-utopian world, an anti-utopian new world run by militant feminists. Let me backtrack for you for a minute. I published a sci-fi novel called Xenon a while ago. It's on Kindle, and you can enjoy it by downloading it there. You're going to get a piece of it for free here. I'd like you to support my writing by downloading it from Kindle if you want. I'm not going to get rich, but it'll show that there's an audience for intelligence out there. But first, a word about Xenon, if I may, in the New World Order, because I was, uh, well, I have news for you out there that no one knows about yet. I've hinted at it on podcasts. A major university has agreed to acquire my papers, my writings, my mementos, my recordings, my plant collections. It's been going on for over a year. I've been working with this library. It's one of the greatest literary libraries in the world. And I won't mention it for obvious reasons right now. It's not the right time. But they have the largest collection of some of the most famous authors on earth, even though it's a liberal university, as all of them are. Apparently, the scholarly parts of these universities have not yet been contaminated, and they recognize the value of certain individuals. So in going through all of my archives and my writings, I stumble upon letters and correspondence over the years, and I mean there's a lot of it, and one day I'll tell you more about it. And in it, I come upon the typescript for Xenon, which you don't hear on the tape you're about to hear from Kindle. I want to read you one paragraph about Xenon so you get hooked. Are you ready? Page six, spoken by the current ruler of the Eastern region, a bird-like raven lady with shaved head. This talk outlined the seven steps to overcoming, quote, male-dominated interest areas, unquote. It was now being argued whether men had the right to retain their dominance in boxing and football. Some of the more radical group argued that biology was no excuse and that surgical or pharmacologic intervention was now called for to further, quote, democratize the nation, unquote. If the creator is a pig-like man, there's no reason we can't recreate his creations, went the progressive line. For those of you who can follow what I'm saying to you, I wrote this in 1981 when I had this dark vision of the future. It's called Xenon, and it's on Kindle. And I'm going to give you some of it for free today. The rest of it's downloadable. And I'll tell you about Xenon in a minute. I got to backtrack a little bit further. In my search for the library that has acquired my literary papers, 
I found this letter from a very famous literary editor in New York City in 2019 to my then agent. And he writes this. First, a word about Xenon. He writes, when I attended the Clarion SF Writers Workshop in 1976, which was led by such luminaries as Damon Knight, Tom Dish, Joanna Russ, and Joe Haldeman, I was taught that the first sentence of an SF novel, that means science fiction, should create a world, a character, and a conflict. In short, the sentence should blow the reader's mind. Michael does this with his hilarious list of acronyms and cast of characters. The brief chapters reveal only as much as they need to in order to move the story forward, while behind this, the reader is invited to decode the outlines of the larger society of which Xenon is a part. The object of Michael's social-political satire is clear, even if that society never quite comes into focus. It is at times so bold and so prophetic that it makes my eyes water as though I were peeling an onion. In this regard, he writes, I have to side with the majority of his Amazon commenters in regarding this is a sketch or a set of finger exercises that deserves to be fleshed out into something a bit more substantial. He goes on and says, but what I find most promising is the writing itself. Its extreme spareness combined with its cunning manipulation of the reader's expectations of normalcy place it in the category of the mind-bending political fables produced by writers of the Soviet era. That's a hell of a line, by the way, folks. Fables produced by writers of the Soviet era. It's chilling when you think about it. There is a scene in one of Andrei Sinyavsky's books where the secret police burst into a writer's apartment, sweep the letters off the page he has been writing onto the table, and then put them in a tidy little envelope before leaving, meaning the letters of the, of the actual typescript. This kind of surrealism is an appropriate response to a society where truth and meaning have been twisted into lies for political ends. Michael seems to be channeling these dissident authors, as well as dystopian SF writers like J.G. Ballard, Philip Dick, and R.A. Lafferty. I would love to see Michael go back to this piece and expand it, since currently its impact is limited by an incomplete account of the technology of social control, the role of noble gases, and the specific conflict Xenon is trying to resolve. Let's encourage him to do so. He continues by saying this, to my agent now, in a larger sense, I am now thinking of Michael as in part a project of archival rediscovery. It seems to me that he has written a great deal of content over the years that ought to be packaged and published in appropriate forms for different audiences. I'd like to help him do this. And then he goes on to talk about a, an advance, which I'm not going to talk about. And then he says uh, other stuff that's too personal for me to put in here. What you've just heard is an email from July 30th, 2019, from a major New York literary editor to my agent about my little novella, Xenon, X-E-N-O-N, which is now available on Kindle. So what is Xenon? Well, in a few minutes, I'll be reading from it. And if you want to hear the whole thing, of course, you can do so by downloading it on Kindle. And here's some notes I wrote about this. Xenon, I had to write a little synopsis. Enter the future world state, an anti-utopian new world run by militant fatasses, F-A-T-A-S-S-E-S, parenthesis, F-S-S, on parenthesis, who castrate males, assign them life mates who are transsexual, keeping the unclipped, quote, natural women for the state security forces, SSF, to assist the women in charge, WIC. State mind bogglers, SMs, delete memories and secretly use state gas stores of the noble gases to, quote, remolecularize their minds. Argon, freon, helium, krypton, neon, radon, and xenon. Envisioned and written in the early 1980s, 
this prophetic fantasy forecast Michael Savage's semi-serious alarm of a nightmarish future. In the new world, there are no natural free people. This science fiction adventure is considered a masterpiece of wit and dark humor that accurately predicted the direction of the femme-dominated Stalinist states now emerging in former Western democracies. If you don't understand prophecy, I don't think you should listen to the rest of this podcast. Some of us are gifted with prophecy. Some of us are gifted with vision. Some of us can be called visionaries. That's all I have to say at this point. We're now going to go to a small piece that I did on the radio. Let's see if I can find that for you. I think you'll like that one. It's an audio clip about me discussing how I was inspired to write Xenon when it happened. I was at a shopping mall in the early 1980s. This is uh, before radio. Remember that. I began radio in 94. And I envisioned the future world of radical feminists that castrate males. It's a few minutes long. I think you're going to enjoy listening to it. And then after that, we'll come back and I'll actually read from the novella Xenon itself. And then after that, we're going to give you another treat, which is about the demise of our cities. I know what's a treat about that. Because the other day I tweeted the following. I asked the question on Twitter, what do you miss most about your town or city that has been decimated in the past few Biden years? And I said, coming soon, what I miss about San Francisco. And I'm going to read to you what I miss about my city and what people miss about their cities and what's happened to this country. I read just today an article in the Independent Institute about San Francisco falling into the abyss. And it says, no major American city has failed at the same level as Detroit, whose population dropped from 1.85 million people in 1950 to about 630,000 today. And the writer Lee Ohanian says, move over Detroit. Here comes San Francisco, which lost 6.3% of its population between 2019 and 2021, a rate of decline larger than any two-year period in Detroit's history and unprecedented among any major U.S. city. Now, of course, the progressives or leftists will argue that it was a result of the pandemic, but it's not true. It's driven by bad local economic policies. If you've been to this city, which I loved so much, blocks have been taken over by immigrant drug gangs selling fentanyl in open air superstores. And the city supervisors spend their time talking about defunding police, abolishing rent, abolishing prisons, and don't allow any new box stores to open in the city. They demand that if Whole Foods open a grocery store in a vacant building in this failing city, it must include affordable housing. Well, Whole Foods just left the city. Every business is leaving the city. Yes, yes, I know. Some blame San Francisco's high cost of living for the exodus. Yeah, well, that contributes to some of the loss. But many of the people leaving the city include those with high incomes who can still afford to live here. But they're choosing to move to other states and other cities, which are also expensive, but have great governance like Miami under Ron DeSantis. Between 2019 and 2021, San Francisco lost nearly $7 billion of household income, even after accounting for those who moved into the city. Downtown foot traffic declined about 64% compared to 2019. Empty office buildings could cost San Francisco $200 million a year in lost property taxes. My friends, it's a country in decline because of Biden and his left-wing goon squad. Make no mistake about it. They're destroying the country city by city, and it's only just begun.
in addition to destroying the cities by catering to the sacred cows called the homeless violence, the homeless, the violent homeless, catering to them, making them sacred cows. You know my feelings on that. Now they're bringing in millions of illegal aliens, many of whom are gangbangers. All of this and more right here on the Michael Savage podcast coming up next after this break will be my reading from Xenon and then reading from people's comments on what they miss most about their town or city that has been decimated in the past few Biden years. Tell me if you can get any of this on any other podcast. I'd like to know if you can, because I don't think so. Michael Savage, a host like no other. One thing that's very exciting to me, and if it's exciting to me, it may be of interest to you, which is the publication on Kindle of my little science fiction book called Xenon, X-E-N-O-N. And I rushed it. I've been holding it for years. I've got to tell you right now, I wrote this in 82, 83, 84, 85. I remember the day I started to write it. I remember the day I conceived it. I was in a mall in a community, a white community, a suburban white community north of San Francisco in an outdoor mall. And I was looking at the people who looked like robots to me. The people, the women who were shopping just looked robotic, which they are. They looked like Stepford wives with shopping bags, no soul, glazed over eyes, licking ice cream cones, drinking coffee. And I saw a future world of uh, mindless, soulless people going to malls and buying in, in stores that repeated each other, iterations of the same store. 15 makeup stores that sell the same garbage, you know, that kind of thing. Over and over again, the same thing. So I envision the future world that might happen. And it's a dystopian or anti-utopian world, as I saw it, run by militant feminists who castrate males. I remember it's science fiction. OK, don't get excited. Uh, assign them life mates who are transsexual. And they keep the unclipped natural women for the state security forces, the SSF, to assist the women in charge, WIC. State mind bogglers, SMs, delete memories and secretly use state gas stores of the noble gases to remoleculize their minds. In other words, the feminists who are running the world secretly inhale argon, freon, helium, krypton, neon. In the new world, there are no natural free people. This science fiction adventure is considered a masterpiece of wit and dark humor that accurately predicted the direction of the femme-dominated Stalinist states emerging in former Western democracies. Envisioned and written in the early 1980s, this prophetic fantasy forecast is Michael Savage's semi-serious alarm of a nightmarish future. I don't know whether people are going to go for it or not, but I believe it's an important Jonathan Swift type of book. Let's put it to you that way. And it was based upon a lot of Jonathan Swift's insights to the society of his time in a sense i mean not copying jonathan swift but it was what jonathan swift did in his time i try to do in my time the cover art is one of my watercolors one of my primitive childish watercolors i have maybe two dozen of them that i will release at a time in the future during a phase i was painting very heavily about a year or two ago and the watercolors from artists who have looked at them are considered to be of, of interest to some people. They're simple and they're primitive. I understand that. But nevertheless, they're unique and of some interest. I took one of them and made it the cover art to Xenon. Uh, Maybe you want to check it out on, on Kindle. It says get on any device or whatever. What I love about this is I didn't have to go through a whole editorial board. I wasn't looking for an advance. I wasn't looking for a marketing campaign. It's a very complicated thing, public. And I have the greatest publisher in the world, the absolute greatest publisher. I've had one hit after another with them. Trump's war, 
God, Faith, and Reason. They're the best, absolutely the best, and they put their heart and soul into my books, and I really appreciate it. This is simple. It's a different kind of thing. It is a short science fiction fantasy. So if you want to take that roller coaster with me, go ahead and check it out. All right, now we go into the body of the sci-fi Xenon in the New World Order by Michael Savage, written in the early 80s, somewhere in a mall in America. Well, let's begin with the table of contents that the uh, editor loves so much. List of acronyms from the New World Order. Actually, you don't want to read you the table of contents. And if you want to actually read the book, you go to Kindle and you support the show by downloading it for a few bucks. List of acronyms from the New World Order. List of characters. List of noble gases. Xenon enters the masturbatorium. Xenon enters his dwelling. Xenon goes to the mall. They walk to the carousel. Sam airs home. They break into the old brewery. Xenon fights a hangover. Les fights a hangover. Xenon visits a fish store and a masturbatorium. I can't wait to read it. I don't remember it. Now we have a list of acronyms from the New World Order. Anti-Civil License Unit, ACLU. Council of the Valley, CV. Dangerous Days, DDs. District Judge, DJ. FA-T-ASSES, parenthesis FSS. New Western Provinces, NWP, Old Vision, OV, Perfect Country, PC, Population Control, PC, Real World, RW, State Education Center, SEC, State Relocation Agency, SRA, Women in Charge, WIC, World Oil War, WOW, Chemical Adjustment Therapy, CAT, County Programmers, CPs, Designated Chasing Object, DCO, Doctor's Helper, DH, you get the picture, Mm. Over Commander, OC, Political Body Search, PBS, Protected District, PD. Shop Attendants, SA. State Mind Bogglers, SM. State Security Forces, SSF. You get the picture. Wow. Copyright 1991 by Quantum Books, Inc. Well, it's been recopyrighted on Kindle. So here we go. List of characters. There's Xenon, a tall, thin man whose mind has been altered by the state to delete certain memories dealing with the assassination of a radical rabbi by an Arab planted in the country. Hmm. Now, that's interesting. You wouldn't expect that, would you? Less, his life mate, selected by state planners, a transsexual black. Less's memory has also been adjusted by state mind bogglers to delete his past involvements in the political assassination of a black radical leader. Wow. Lona, Xenon's wife in the native world when he was Martin Braverman. Samurai Sam Calzoni, young girl in the new world, an unclipped female. The irreverent, rebellious daughter of a powerful female county judge and father attorney, Xenon's confidant. She helps him in his desire to steal state gas stores to remoleculize his mind and learn what has been erased from his memory. Clever. List of noble gases, argon, freon, helium, krypton, neon, radon. Now, some of this has been deleted from the original typescript. I could see that. I've edited this down. Maybe I should read you the original. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, no, this is old. <sighs> it's when Xenon enters a masturbatorium, and I, I, I said the, re- the Romans had their vomitoria, the French have their pissoir, we have our cubicles to masturbate in. Well, we don't have cubicles anymore. That's simply the, the internet. So we go to the beginning of the booklet, or the novella. Infinitely boring, thought Xenon, as he rode the forest green cable capsule over the bay. Another day in the city, ruled by mean lesbians. On every street corner in those despicable uniforms, with their fat ASSES clubs and keys. Butcher's faces came to Xenon's mind box. He tried to switch the channel, but for some unexplained reason, the image of fatassed lesbian cops kept reforming. 
in his mind. Their smirks, their power stares behind every municipal desk, in every corporate office, on the dusk to dawn hate movies provided for the public. Thank Freon they haven't gained control of the masturbatoria. Still in the hands of the Italians after all these eons. Xenon enters his dwelling. Xenon lived on a green sloping hill near the stars at night by the bay by day. His life mate, selected by the county programmers, CPs, was an albino black transsexual who had been surgically deballed. They had no children and few friends. <laughs> he had wanted a natural woman, but the best had been assigned to the state security forces, SSF, to assist the women in charge, WIC. Less, I'm home. Over the dinner of the vacuum, Xenon heard their dog barking in the side yard. Neutered at birth, the devocalized for the new harmony, TNH, Blister had a small, tidy bark surgically implanted through expensive optional revocalization. <laughs> Always the romantic, he had insisted on just such a revocalized animal because, quote, it reminded me of my childhood dog, Tippy. Entering the acceptance chamber, the big six-foot-nine-inch rail-thin doctor's helper, D.H. threw his black tunic over the blue leather couch, loosened his minimalist tie, and slid the side door open to renature Blister. The pretty miniaturized creature, reared in her sphinx-like posture, opened her mouth in a smile and awaited the first throw of her designated chasing object, D.C.O. Lester moved the vac in aerobic sweeps. Her lean athletic motion superseded suburban color images. Old vision, O.V. images, sometimes threatened her grace. New psychic offshoots blurred her concern. She was a semi-hemi-revert, not totally hormoned, enough to unpsych any casual voyeur. Xenon came up to his mate, who he nevertheless no peculiarly loved to muck, reached over her muscular thin shoulder and pushed off the back. Turning her around in a semi-startled stare, he enjoined her in a startled body recharge. Blister tried to uncouple her rulers as a clever child would, but it being a side day, the end of the commitment week, their attraction level was too strong to be upset by mere sounds. Page four. They regravitated, the both of them wetting moisture, the opposite and possibly the enemy of the integrated circuit, was both sought and immediately removed. Perfect required dryness. I'll be going to the mall, dear Xenon told Lester. It's still early and I want to pick up a few things. Bring me back some of Lorenzo's Guarana Low Z. We'll need a real jolt tonight. Page five. Xenon goes to the mall. Hmm. Being glory ember, it was still bright and warm even at seven o'clock that evening. Xenon enjoyed airing over to the mall at dusk to get out of the house while Les messed the kitchen preparing dinner. Also to take in the mannequins and all the primary colors. Most of the stores were empty of people but overflowing with goods. The young shop attendants, SAs, were all men between the ages of 18 to 25 by state decree. Women of this age group shunted into more important work. The economy had never recovered from the last world oil war. Hmm. Wow. Called Wow 3. So the large chain stores found in such satellite shopping malls were largely showcases owned by foreign money. Xenon had heard rumors about some distant planetary investments, but chose to ignore this. After all, I'm not xenophobic, he thought. <laughs> Gazing at his own reflection in the window of the talk store, he saw a wispy figure slightly stooped with frightened eyes. The new titles on display were almost all success stories by women executives, pilots, military officers, and the like. I Did It was number one on the bestseller list for many years. Spoken by the current ruler of the Eastern Region, a bird-like raven lady with shaved head, this talk outlined the seven steps to overcoming, quote, male-dominated interest areas. It was now being argued whether men had the right 
to retain their dominance in boxing and football. Some of the more radical group argued that biology was no excuse and that surgical or pharmacologic intervention was now called for to further democratize the nation. If the creator is a pig-like man, there's no reason we can't recreate his creations went the progressive line. Zenon turned from the window and lifting his head, took in the aromas coming from the Gorana shop. He suddenly craved the cup of the stimulant, remembering the long night ahead for him and Les. Sipping the liquid in the almost empty mall, he was startled to notice an almost perfect young girl seriously reading and in a public place. He did not know what to do. For although books were not yet outright illegal, there was a certain criminality implied in being seen with one in your possession. Such an overt sign of rebellion would at the very least trigger a political body search, PBS, by the security forces who were always on edge trying to find the elusive and dangerous pamphleteers. Acting on impulse, he bolted his drink and loped over to the girl on the bench by the fountain. Without thinking, he blurted, although gently, don't you know you can get in trouble for, you know, reading in public? Looking up at him with totally innocent eyes and unclipped ears, Xenon's static heart skipped a beat or two. Oh, an unclipped female. I'm reading from Xenon on Kindle. You can buy it on Kindle, copyrighted 1991. And uh, I think I'll break here because the next chapter is they walk to the carousel. And if you want to know how the story emerges, this darkly humorous sci-fi novella, years ahead of its time, that a great agent in New York and a great editor in New York said it reminded them. It reminded them of, what is this? What did it remind them of? Huh. So prophetic that it makes my eyes water as I were peeling an onion. Extreme spareness, blah, blah, blah. So this is pretty good. It says this science fiction novel has created a world, a character, and a conflict that blows the reader's mind. And it invites the listener or the reader to read more. But this is the line I like the most. What I find most promising, wrote the editor, is the writing itself. Its extreme spareness combined with its cunning manipulation of the reader's expectations of normalcy place it in the category of the mind-bending political fables produced by writers of the Soviet era. Well, let me pause right there. The Soviet era. Hmm. Well, here we are in the new Soviet era under Joe Biden. Not to get too political at that. I think I'll pause and come back shortly right here on the Michael Savage podcast, where I will read to you from listeners who have written what they miss most about America since Biden destroyed one city after the other. Be right back. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Hey, I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser. Well, now we enter the last and final piece of this creative podcast. 
The other day on Twitter, when was it? On May 10th. Today is May 11th. Oh, that was yesterday. What do you miss most about your town or city that has been decimated in the past few Biden years? Coming soon, what I miss about San Francisco. So I'm going to read you some of the listeners' comments about what you miss about America after this Soviet administration has decimated so much of our country, city by city, it seems, state by state, it seems, town by town, it seems. And as I talk, millions of illegal aliens, mainly military-age men, husky military-age men, are being ushered over the border and put into hotels around America. Can you believe this nonsense, this insanity? They all come here to work? No, they all come here to work the system. Most of them are here illegally because they're all, they're all, rather, all of them are here illegally and most of them are criminals, by the way, kicked out of their country, kicked out of jails, kicked out of mental hospitals, and we're taking the refuse of the world under the guise of openness. So I ask you what you miss most about your town or city. So people say things, and I'll read them to you. Brick and mortar retail eats going out of business at a record pace, food culture in the city. I miss the huge shopping malls in the San Francisco area. I miss the cute bars, too. I miss feeling safe when I go to the store, strolling the shopping district, mostly safe going to opera or symphony on public transit. I miss that. The loss of monogamous relationships. Everything that we have, we made a quantum leap in the wrong direction. I miss the community pride and patriotism. We were proud to be Americans and kind to each other regardless of social status or economic means. Love your show, Michael. I was born and raised in San Jose, California, but moved to Boise, Idaho five years ago. I'm so thankful I moved. I woke up one day and everything I knew about my hometown was gone. So I left and never looked back. Well, they're coming to Boise, too. Biden and his Soviet gang will bust them right into your neighborhood. Next one says, I miss family time downtown. I miss not having a police chief that tells us to prepare to give up your iPhone. I miss my favorite Italian restaurant. My small mom and pop restaurants are disappearing. I miss going to the grocery store at 10 a.m. and not having to look over my shoulder at all times. The loss of our morals as a society. Being able to go into a public park. The lack of a sustainable nation. Honestly, living in Florida, I got here 28 days before the hurricane landed on me. Not much, LOL. Used to be safer here. Now people just run amok. People loot and thieve and just do whatever they want and there's no work ethic. Customer service is a thing of the past. San Francisco, spot on, Doc. Yes, that was stolen by... Some creep turned it into a best-selling book. Didn't even say thanks, Mike. Recognition. Not seeing homeless. I miss the town I grew up in that was once safe and just about everywhere I went. Now I'm afraid to take a walk. <laughs> At one time, the Democrats were tough on crime. Now they're blind to it. More are coming in buses. Save our republic. Here's a sad one. I lost a daughter to addiction, fentanyl, and suicide, with her mom, no less, both gone together June 16, 2022. Oh, boy. Two out of a million deaths in 2022 under Joe Biden. I miss easy access to doctors. That is gone. Oh, yeah. How about an English-speaking doctor? Nothing against turbans, but I don't know about you. I'd rather not see a doctor in a turban. I miss hearing people speak English in the streets. I miss the open space. I don't like townhomes being jam-packed everywhere. I miss a clean downtown. Thousands of homeless in San Diego taking over the streets. You know that 50% of the homeless in America live in California? Thank you, Governor. I miss the safety for women and children. What else? He misses 
water days in the cul-de-sac with hose and sprinklers hooked up to my own water while my children and other kids from the hood having a blast keeping cool in the street, not a care for the cost of water or fears of being ratted on by, by enviro vigilantes. Michael, my town hasn't been decimated. Sorry to hear about SF. It's an asshole. St. Clair MI is a small conservative town on the St. Clair River. Don't advertise that we like the good life. I just did. Another one says, nothing, nothing has changed in Sacramento from Trump to Biden. Well, others would disagree with that. I miss New York shopping and a nice dinner at a great restaurant. I miss decent shopping malls and movie theaters and the ability to enjoy them safely. Schools and hospitals are now flooded with illegals. Teachers have to bend over backwards to teach kids that are illiterate in their own language. Hospitals are a breaking point providing services to people without insurance. But we have to be patient, they say, or else we're called racist. I miss my friends, many of whom have left Marin County. The liberalism has driven out many conservatives, making it go even further to the left and delusional. No kidding. Albuquerque, New Mexico has been turned into a third world asshole. I miss kids playing in the streets. Mom cooking dinner. Now we have zombies walking the neighborhood and dad is dressed up as mom. Gwinnett County, totally unrecognizable. I miss police presence, police response, etc. I miss when Home Depot parking lots were filled with U.S. citizens, not illegal aliens. I miss Greek Town and Mexican Village, Detroit. Hmm. I miss war protests, says someone from Santa Cruz, California. He said, growing up in Santa Cruz, they were always protesting war and everything else. Now with hashtag Ukraine, the town now supports war. How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? How did the liberals in the Prague suddenly like war? There are less family-owned restaurants. Fast food joints exploded all over our city as if we didn't have enough already. Housing, uh, funding goes to house illegal immigrants and it takes from what other city services. Drug zombies roaming around are more common. I miss the civility between people with differing views and disrespect for police. Well, I can read on and on. I'm going to go now over to see what people said to this question on Facebook and see if it's much different. I don't think it'll be much different. Where is this? What do you miss most about your town or city that has been decimated in the past few Biden years? Hmm. Chicago, so painful to watch it burn down. I miss the pizza and the incredible architecture. Yeah, well, that's true. I live in Florida, can't complain about anything. Certain parts I would not walk alone, but so far I feel pretty safe. Yes, that's because Florida is a conceal and carry state. Florida is run by DeSantis, not by the goons who run the other states. Another one says, my town is basically a bedroom community in a rural area here in New England. The local farms have been hit hard. Nearby towns have been hit hard with many businesses permanently closed. I miss the freedom. Uh, I miss going out dancing in New York City clubs. They don't have those anymore. Also really hard to find a good knish, bagel and Danish <laughs> in New York these days. Even really good pizza is hard to find, not like years ago. I grew up in Meridian, Mississippi in the 50s. At night, my family and neighbors would walk at night to the drugstore for ice cream. Can't do that anymore. Biden brought in the drugs and the crime. I live in a rather upscale suburb in southwest Connecticut. There are huge apartment buildings being forced on the town for low-income, diverse housing. It's happening all over the country. Well, you get the picture, huh? Kenna says, I miss eye contact. I miss random chat and smiles. We isolate ourselves, even in public. Fear of criminal assault. Defending ourselves and ending up in prison and guarding our opinions on political party, nationality, hair color, eating habits, religion, pro-life or pro-death, on and on and on. Sad. I miss clean streets. What I miss about Houston is going into a Burger King or McDonald's and having people speak English. I live in Iowa, and it's more like Mexico City. 
I miss being able to have less gates, locks, and cameras. I miss being in the USA. Now it's USSA. You're right. I wrote that in one of my books many years ago. Welcome to the USS of A. I miss walking in the French quarters of New Orleans, culture of noncompliance with ultra-tolerance policies. You're right. Now you risk your lives. You get the picture? Well, I'll read a few more. I miss Chicago. I mean my Chicago when I was raised in the 70s and 80s. Even through the 90s, kids still played at parks and in front of our homes until the streetlights came on. Then the rise of stealing your own lawn and home with an, stealing your own home and lawn with an iron gate was an omen to us of things to come. Sure, we had crime, but it was also dealt with. We had many more police stations, and boy, we had some rough cops. Say what you want, but we hardly wanted to get in trouble with the law because they dealt with crime fiercely. That gave room for our parents to thrive as they see fit. Property taxes were affordable. You get the picture? Tough cops, tough on crime. I miss the new car dealers with plenty of cars to shop from. I miss the endless optimism of the youth I experienced in my town. I miss the fact that there are no reporters left on local news. I miss gentrification and how the left is trying to tie white supremacy with it. And I wrote, to them, slums are cool and diverse. Hmm. Let's see what else. Anything else? No, you get the picture. And I'll close by telling you what I miss about San Francisco. Let's play. uh, We can't play Tony Bennett. I left my life in San Francisco because he never sang that. He sang sang a fiction about I left my heart in San Francisco. Now it's become a literal statement rather than a figurative statement. Because if you walk in downtown San Francisco in certain areas, you will leave your heart in San Francisco in the street. I was thinking about that the other night, folks. Those of you who love my podcast and have known me for so many years. I remember going to Aliota's restaurant since Shuttered. It's an institution, been there since 1924. Family restaurant, gone. Gone. Decimated, not only by the pandemic, but by many other factors. I used to like to go in there once a month, twice a month. I'd sit at the bar at the end of a day after a radio show. I like to start with a drink at the bar looking down at the waterfront. I'd look at the uh, USS Pompaneo, which is a submarine from the World, World War II era, and I would envision the streets filled with sailors and soldiers in World War II. I could actually see them in my imagination walking on Fisherman's Wharf with their favorite girl. Smiles on their brave faces. I miss that. I guess I've left my heart in San Francisco. This is Michael Savage. You might say this was a chillingly depressing podcast. I can't tell you what it is. All I can say is it is. And I thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link.
Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.